welcome to Ministries, the podcast, where I talk to successful ministry leaders about how they're using podcasting to amplify their mission and grow their ministry. I'm Tim Hall, your host and owner of Sonomorphic, a podcast production company that specializes in podcasting for ministries. My guest today is Jason Woodruff. He's the CEO and editor-in-chief at The Pour Over. It's an email newsletter and podcast with, quote, the biggest news of the day summarized in a way that you'll actually understand and enjoy, paired with brief Christian perspectives, unquote. They publish every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and about two years ago, it became my main news source. It's enough to make me feel informed without all the commentary that I just can't stand in mainstream news. So I'm just going to say this up front. If you haven't listened to it or subscribed to the newsletter, click the link in the show notes and give it a try. Now, one small editorial note here. After I recorded this interview with Jason, they slightly changed the name of the podcast to The Pour Over Today. So you'll just hear us talking about it as The Pour Over. In today's episode, Jason and I are going to talk about why they decided to create a podcast from the newsletter, how they monetize the newsletter and the podcast, and what he's excited about for the future of The Pour Over, which he mentioned might just include a new long-form podcast. All right, let's jump into it. Here's my conversation with Jason Woodruff. Jason, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I was looking back, scrolling back through my podcast feed to figure out when I started listening to the pour over for the first time. And I saw it was back in November of 2021. And it was recommended from a friend of mine. I hadn't heard about it, but you'd been doing it for a few years before then and really enjoyed it, have listened I think pretty much to every episode since. So just thank you for the work that you and your team do to provide that for all of us. And I specifically listen to the podcast part, also subscribe to the email newsletter as well to kind of skim through stuff at times. As I was scrolling back through, I realized that today, August 16th, as we record this, is actually the two-year anniversary of the podcast beginning. So uh, how does that feel? Good. Went by quick. So... Full transparency, I specifically have remarkably little to do with the podcast. I'm not on the mic. I don't edit or post or do any of that. But it's an audio version of the newsletter, which I'm, you know, deeply ingrained in. And we talked, yeah, it was a little over two years ago because we did sort of a soft launch. And sounds like exactly two years ago, <laughs> launched kind of the full thing. Yeah. And we were just saying, man, I mean, I get a lot of my news from podcasts mm. and so felt like a, a space that made sense and it's done well. And so it's cool. Yeah. Did you ever consider when you were first chatting about it that maybe you'd be the voice of it or because I'm guessing and we can talk about this more later, but the tone that comes across in the in the newsletter is your tone. So did you ever think about, well, maybe I'm voicing it via text. Should I be the voice of it as well? Yeah, I did. Honestly, it came down to the time burden, yeah. especially you know, different than like a a podcast like this, like an interview-driven something. Mm-hmm. The Pour Over podcast is three times a week. It's very short. And so it, it just felt a little repetitive, mm-hmm. you know, and especially like when I just went through and helped and we have a whole team, but I am involved and review everything. The newsletter just felt like I didn't want to add that as a consistent thing to my plate personally, but certainly the tone and I do listen to the podcast and go, and I'd I'd voice that a little differently mm. or something, but they do an awesome job. And we're considering launching like a long form podcast of okay. sorts or something that's a little bit more 
discussion based or something. And I think that will be me. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're still, it feels like we're still new to the space and figuring it out. And there, there's a lot of room to run, but I, at least right now am generally grateful that I am not the voice <laughs> of the podcast and happy to hand that off and think they do a great job with it. Yeah. So you work with a third party service. I was listening to one of the other episodes that you've been on and I think it's called pod letter or something like that that you use. Yeah. And so basically you're sending them the script, they record it, edit it and give it back to you. Cause it, I'm guessing it's kind of like a, the way that news podcasts usually go, it's written right up to the moment that it needs to get recorded and then it gets recorded and published. So how does that flow usually go? Yeah. So we work generally, and I'll just talk about like a normal day, yeah. you know, because if the classic example is if Will Smith slaps Chris Rock at <laughs> 10 p.m. at night, things shift. But generally, we're done with the news about 5 p.m. the day before. Okay. So the podcast and the newsletter come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we're writing Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and we're typically done by around 5 p.m. the night before. And then we literally message them and are like, hey, newsletter's ready. And they hop into the Google Doc where we wrote it, and they do everything. Like the only thing I do is send that message. And it's fun and it's great because we know these guys personally. They were a part of my youth group growing up. Nice. Like friends. So it's fun and there's a high level of trust and they do a great job. It's not a faceless entity to me, but it could be for you. They do great work. <laughs> or you meaning anyone listening that has a newsletter and wants to turn it into a podcast. Yeah. So it's typically that's kind of the normal cadence. And also a lot of the times if there's going to be something big that happens late at night, we know and we can just tell them like, hey, it's going to need to be recorded late. It's like, hey, like we know there's a presidential debate. Mm, sure. Or we know there's something happening late on a Tuesday, but occasionally there's a wrench thrown in it. But yeah, what they do really well is the quick turnaround, you know, because we let them know and it gets posted shortly after. And and that's what's hard to find in a good production agency is is typically they you send them the file and they say, yeah, we'll turn it around in 48 hours. It's like, oh, well, no one <laughs> listens to yesterday's news, right. <laughs> let alone two days ago's news. So we need a quicker turnaround than that. Yeah. I'm sure a lot goes into the newsletter that becomes the podcast. So take us behind the scenes for a minute of what goes into making a politically neutral news source like you do. Yeah. So we have a team, there's about five, six people that are on the writing team at various levels. Uh, myself and Kathleen are full-time and I'm split between the business side and content. Kathleen's full-time on content. And then there's, you know, another four writers and editors that help out. And so we actually met in person this past weekend. So three days ago. And one of the things we did was we all took like a political quiz and it was I side with dot com probably. I don't know. And th there's like, you know, 20 questions, but you can do a hundred and it, and it shows. And then we plotted on this like kind of map of liberal, conservative, limited government or authoritarian government or mm -hmm. whatever. And it was like just all over. And especially when you add in the non-content team as well, there's just more dots that are spread all over. Mm. And that's very intentional. Like we've worked hard to create a team where everyone loves Jesus and then holds different political views. And there's some things that everyone agrees on and 
some things that it seems like no one agrees on. And one of the things that was interesting from that quiz is like, we have people that voted and people that didn't vote and people who care a ton and don't care and like whatever. So it's not just that we're like all passionately political and all over the place. There's like also just kind of different levels of passion and like, yeah, just not particularly drawn to mm. politics or current events. And because that's a big part of what we're trying to do is like help people build a healthy relationship with the news and an unhealthy relationship with the news, at least spiritually, is often one that's just very obsessed with the news and placing your hope in politics, whether or not that's the uh, Republican Party or Democratic Party, and just really kind of over-interested. And politics in the news is just not in a correct priority in your life. Hmm. And so part of what the pour over is trying to do is saying, like, we want to tell you the news while also telling you that sometimes the news doesn't matter, you know, and that like we send three times a week. We're not 24-7. If you want 24-7 politically charged news, it's out there. You can go get it. That's not what we're <laughs> doing. Our goal is to help keep you up to date and informed so you don't feel like your head's in the sand and that you're unaware and you can't engage. But also it's just enough so that you can engage and feel informed. And so that's a big part of it is just the posture of a diverse team and the mission of that team to say, hey, it really is like we have people from various viewpoints, not so they argue their case for the audience or, or like in front of the audience, but so that we try to write a politically neutral summary that includes both sides. And we have both sides that can come in and be like, yeah, you've, you've fairly represented my viewpoint here, you know? And so someone can read and, and be aware of what the masses are generally thinking and what's going on in the world, but hopefully kind of lower the temperature on their news consumption a little bit. Yeah. And one of the things that I really like besides the frequency, I do appreciate the frequency of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, because I don't really care to hear the news every day. I think mm -hmm. that's just become a thing over time. That it's like, I don't need to hear everybody's commentary on the thing. I love the brevity and I love the, I feel informed enough that I can know what's going on, but not so much so that I feel like I have to dive into something real deep or, mm. or hear somebody else's comments on it. So I really appreciate that. And another thing that I appreciate about the podcast is like I was saying earlier, the personality, the, the humor that's thrown in there, the little snark that comes out. Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's your personality. Um, why did you decide to keep that as part of the newsletter? Yeah. And how is that how has that helped engage with your readers and listeners? It was something that was hard and honestly not an original idea. Obviously, it's not like humor is yeah. an idea <laughs> that I created. But I started the pour over while I was getting my MBA. And I was reading and still read Morning Brew, which is a mm -hmm. business-focused newsletter. And they have a very similar tone. It was like, man, I'm, I'm more interested in reading it and then part of the reason we kept it was because it does feel like that is often the correct posture with news is like we want to when everyone else is talking about how this is the most important thing mm. it's like let's add a little bit of levity to this and remember like if we're christians and we're saying we believe in eternity and that everyone we interact with is going to live forever do we really think that 
I mean, I can't remember what was in the news, what was in the newsletter that went out this morning and I helped mm. to write it. Like if you asked me to name all eight stories, I couldn't do it. And so the posture of the news media is that everything is super important. And so having something where it's like, hey, we're just trying to disrupt that a little bit and say, it's not that it's unimportant and we should be aware and we don't, I think it would be a a harm to society if everyone who loved Jesus was unaware of what was happening mm-hmm. in the world and in their country. And, and there's value to the news. But again, there's value to the news being in its correct spot and not being made too much of. And so the humor and the levity hopefully helps with that. It also just helps with, like you're saying, with engagement. Mm-hmm. It's more fun to read. It's more fun to write. It creates fun conversations amongst the staff. And the other piece that is interesting is we've dialed back the amount mm. just kind of slowly over time. And it works better this way. And it was an important realization for me to realize, like, this is not a comedy newsletter. <laughs> like, I don't need to sit around and figure out how to, like, add jokes when they happen naturally. Like, people don't expect jokes with the news. So a little goes a long way, you know? Sure. And it's okay to have a whole story that, especially some stories are not are not funny, you know, and that is fine. And we can present them accurately and not try to force humor into a non-humorous situation. But that also just makes the moments of humor pop a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So if we go back, so you started writing the newsletter, I think it was in, was it 2018? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then the podcast didn't come along until, until 21. So what was the kind of that decision that you decided, okay, we should actually step into doing this and the reason Mm -hmm. behind it? Yeah. So saying the pour over started in 2018 is a little generous. Uh, (laughs) It was for a while, it was literally just kind of like a personal exercise or me and a couple friends summarizing the news basically for ourselves. And after a year, I think we had like 200 subscribers or something like that. And so it was not making any money. We were doing it once a week for a while. So it wasn't, Mm -hmm. there's a balance. News once a week is less useful. You know, like there are things that happen every day. And so we think that three times a week is a good balance. But at some point it grew and we were making money. We were treating it a little bit more like a business. And we just kind of shifted from this, you know, survival mode like, hey, we just have to churn out content and that's all we're focused on because that's all we have the capacity for and Mm -hmm. that's all we're really trying to do to saying like, hey, no, we're trying to grow this. We're trying to serve people with this. And if the goal is to be a trustworthy news source that hits on these things that we've talked about, then we also need to try to reach people where they are. And we were talking and the people at the time were like, yeah, like half of us were like, primarily get my news from podcasts. It's like, okay, well, people are on podcast apps looking for news and it's something we can do. And so that conversation coincided with these pod letters. So they have a real larger production agency that does like documentaries and long form Mm, podcast series and things. And so then they reached out and they're like, hey, would you ever want to do a podcast and we're like, you know, we've, we've been talking about this, but don't really know what that would mean. And they just recorded one and sent it. And it's like, man, if you can make it sound like that, 
mm. with no direction, then yeah, <laughs> we're in. We want to do this because we want to do this. We just don't know how to do this yeah. and don't really want to put in the effort to do it. And they took all that off the plate. So a big part of it is just, you know, a testament to how great the guys at Podletter are. So what would you say is the most surprising thing that you discovered when you started the podcast? The most surprising thing... I don't totally know. I, I would say I think part of what is surprising to me is like our introduction here with you was you saying like, it's really a part of my routine. I listen to it yeah. all the time. And it feels like the the podcast audience that we have, they're very sticky, you know, and we we really kind of get ingrained in the rhythm. And so that's been fun. We went to a conference Preston Sprinkles Theology in the Raw conference. Yeah. And Preston loves the podcast. I'm not totally sure he knows we have a newsletter. And <laughs> but he listens to the podcast all the time, promotes it. We do some advertising with him. And that was really fun to get to meet his audience and engage with them. And just hear exactly what I'm talking about here of like there are people that just really listen to it. And it's a medium that creates more of a connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not my voice and it's a rotation of voices, but it's more personal and feels like they have a deeper relationship. So I, I would say that was surprising as someone coming from really focusing on the newsletter. The other thing that we talk about that we really like is, and we're, we're revamping or expanding some of our Christian perspectives. So, you know this, but we share the news and then we have a very brief Christian perspective after right. some of the top stories. And they're very repetitive. And and they're repetitive because we want to reinforce the same principles. And we're not weighing in on specific stories. We're just talking generally, mm -hmm. reminding people to, to focus on Christ. But feedback that we get is, hey, I just, I skip those, you know, because they're the same. Yeah. Well, in the newsletter, that's pretty easy. You just scroll past them. In the podcast, I mean, you can't, if you skip forward 30 seconds, you're like halfway through the next story. So you <laughs> yeah. do, you hear those things and it feels like it works better as a reinforcement principle. And so just really like the medium of podcasting. And there are a lot of benefits there that we didn't necessarily think through when we launched. We were just saying like, hey, it's another place the audience is. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of unique, good relational benefits that come from podcasting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, podcasting, one of the reasons why I like it so much is, is like you're saying, the intimacy. You're hearing from another human. Mm. And there's automatically, anytime, even if you're overhearing a conversation, you're building relationships, whether you think so or not. And so that's why, I mean, I love, I love audio as a medium and podcasting specifically. And you were talking about how you had basically the newsletter wasn't making much money and then it started gaining traction. And then, and then you started the podcast. At what point did you start adding sponsors? And that was a, an effective way to start making money for y'all. Yeah. So we very early on with the newsletter started doing sponsors before it made sense. Because like I said, I have an MBA. Yeah. I just enjoy the business <laughs> side. And so it was fun for me to like, the pour overs money has always been the pour overs money. And so Mitch, who sells our ads, when he came on, he was like, hey, I want an email like Mitch at the pourover.org because I'm reaching out to these people. I'm like, we can't, we can't afford that. It's $5 a month. Like the pour over makes $6 a year, dude. Like you can't like sell some ads and, <laughs> and then we can, we can do this. And so we've always kept the money separate. And so we started early because it was a fun project, not because I thought it would like 
make me money, but because it was a fun game to play. Yeah, business and, exercise, uh, if nothing else. <laughs> right, but it was really valuable because yeah. then as we grew, we had those, I mean, selling ads is, I talked with someone yesterday and talk with people frequently that reach out that want to start a newsletter or do different things. And I think the thought is, if you build an audience, the ads are automatic, you know, and it's not, it's a significant part of the business. And we're even very fortunate, like not an exaggeration, maybe a hundred percent, if not a hundred, 98% of our advertisers reach out to us. And then it's wow. still a lot of yeah. work. Like we don't even mm -hmm. go find them, you know, but just managing the relationship and the spots and, and all that is, it's Mitch's job. So we started doing it early when it made no business sense and was just a fun thing. But then it grew into something that worked. And just recently with the podcast, so our podcast gets like 10 to 13,000 or, you know, 12 to 13,000 downloads an episode. And we should have given it more focus early on and tried to monetize it more thoughtfully earlier, but it was allowed to, the success of the newsletter just kind of supported the podcast and, sure. and allowed it so that it didn't really need to carry its weight. So for a long time, what we did is whatever ad was running in the newsletter was just voiced aloud in the podcast. And it was like sort of a sweetener to the ad that we were selling on the newsletter. And we've recently started saying like, hey, no, we're going to split those out. This mm -hmm. is a big legitimate thing that can be profitable in its own right. And we're going to kind of put that effort into it. Yeah, I mean, you can run the CPM stuff for us with what we're paying pod letter. It made sense. Like the break even was in the like 5,000 download range, but that's because we were paying the host and the production agency and, and all mm -hmm. that. And yeah, so... That's our story. There's a lot of reasons to do it differently. I would do it the exact same way again because it, it just worked for us and made sense along the way with our unique situation. When you say you're getting ten to thirteen thousand downloads, is that what's the period with that? Because it's a news podcast. I'm guessing it's it's a pretty short tail that you're talking about yeah. with that. But I would be curious to know what what duration you're Yeah, it's about a week. Okay. That we get all our downloads and and yeah, different from like this podcast, our back catalog does very poorly, as you might imagine. Yeah, sure. You know, it's <laughs> no one's going back and listening news. to the news. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not last month's. So that, I mean, with those numbers alone, and you probably know this, that puts you in the top 1% of podcasts out there with those download numbers. Yes. And so it's interesting to hear too. And, and your newsletter is over 400,000 subscribers. So it's interesting to see that there's there's a there's quite a, a variation between the the audience size as well as like some of the stickiness that you've heard about the podcast audience and and now that you're splitting it off into be selling podcast ads separate from the newsletter that's cool. Podcasting takes a lot of time, effort, and to be honest, a lot of googling. What if you could ask like-minded people how to overcome the challenges you're facing starting a podcast, growing a podcast, or producing multiple podcasts? I think starting a community like that would be super valuable, but I want to know what you think. 
Would you be interested in being part of a community of ministry leaders using podcasts to amplify their mission and grow their ministry? If so, let me know by filling out the interest form using the link in the show notes. So you also give listeners and readers for that matter, the opportunity to, to pay for what they could get for free. And I, I, I really like that line. And so with that, what would you say is the ratio of the sponsor dollars versus the people that are subscribing, so to speak, and, and paying money on yeah. a monthly basis or annual basis? And why have both? So we have, and we were actually talking recently, we need to figure out a way to break out and measure how many are coming from the podcast. Again, it's kind of a new thing for us just with the relative size of the podcast. And obviously the podcast is doing excellently. It just, it struggles to get attention when it's sitting in a room with the newsletter, which is much larger. So uh, broadly across the pour over, across both the newsletter and the podcast, roughly 1% of our audience chooses to pay. And so that's the conversion rate. And as long as we promote it consistently, that rate has remained consistent. So from like, we launched it probably around 100,000 or maybe 50,000 newsletter subscribers, and it's consistently stayed around 1%. We have both. And, and so part of that was as a Christian organization, at some point, we just started having people reach out saying they wanted to give money or sending us checks, which is a uniquely Christian organization problem to have. <laughs> and we're a for-profit company. And so we were just saying like, this doesn't work. You can't donate, nor should you. Like, we'll, we'll accept <laughs> your money, but you clearly think that you're donating to this cause. Yeah. And we made a conscious decision to not be a nonprofit because we felt like, one, I enjoy business. And two, it was like, this business model works we shouldn't need donations. Like if it scales, it works. And so we don't want to like take donation dollars. We'd rather them go to organizations that are doing things that completely require donations to exist, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are also people that want a deeper relationship with the pour over, want to give money, want to do whatever. And so this was kind of the compromise of like, hey, you can choose to pay and this is how much you can pay. So you can pay monthly or pay annually or you can get a lifetime membership and the lifetime membership is $200. And there are people that are like, I just want to give you $50. It's like, well, you can't like that reflects you misunderstanding who we are and you, you can just have it all for free, but we're not going to take your $50 because that's not an option. Like you can pay $50 a year and cancel, or you can give us $200, but you're paying for a product or paying for something. We have to use the word pay. You yeah. can't just like, donate whatever you want and feel good. You shouldn't because we're not a nonprofit. Like yeah. donate to an organization that is going to use those dollars to be more charitable than we are. Gotcha. Y'all do do some charitable giving. You do some matching for different things that are that are in the news. How did that come about and the decision to do that? So one, we we felt, and Kathleen deserves all the credit for this. She has from a very early time been like, how much is the pour over giving, you know? And like, why is the pour over not giving more? And so she clearly just has a great heart for generosity and has helped push us in that direction. And then we started having organizations 
charities that wanted to raise money reach out. And it just felt disingenuous to be like, hey, we're going to go through the process of vetting this charity, making sure the cause is worthwhile and good, making sure you're going to use the money well, and then charge you money to promote to our audience and not give any money ourselves, you know? And so it's like this whole thing just makes me squirm a little bit, you know? And so we we do charge because the campaigns are very successful. We're so impressed and gracious for our audience mm. and their generosity. So like I said, vet the cause, vet the organization. We do charge. I don't want to give that misinformation out. We charge the money, but we will match a, a certain amount. And we also ensure that the campaign is successful. And if it's not, then we'll refund them or, or do whatever, which mm. is unique to a Christian charitable organization. And so it's great. You know, it's been really cool. Right now, this week, we're doing a big push for, um, and it's only in the newsletter, we're doing a big push for raising money for Somalia. There's, it's been a huge drought, worst drought in 40 yeah, years. Right. And then that paired with a bunch of aid being pulled up to Ukraine, they've just been hung out to dry and the stories are horrible. Mm. And, um, yeah. and so it's a really cool thing that I think like last time we did a campaign like this, we were able like through the community, we were able to raise like $85,000 or something, Wow, which is like, that's crazy. Insane, you know, just why, you know, and so cool to like hear the actual impact of what that means. And it's yeah. like, that's, thousands and thousands of kids that are fed and livestock being purchased and the gospel being shared. And so it's a really cool part of what we do. And especially what we were talking about with the pour over being a for-profit organization. Again, like part of that decision was just early on, I liked business and, and didn't think anything would come of it. And now there's this weird thing of like, hey, okay, we did prove out the business model works and and whatever, but is this team really going to like become wealthy off Jesus name? Like you don't subscribe to the pour over to hear Jason's take on the world or the news. It's just politically neutral news paired with a Christian biblical perspective. Yeah. And so as the business has flourished, which we feel incredibly grateful for, we also just feel this pressure to say like, man, what does it look like to steward this money? Well, and not like, you know, what does, true generosity and, and leveraging this platform and, and money and influence mean. And, and a big part of it is exactly what you're saying. Like there are real needs that come up in the news that we can point people to and help make an impact in, in a unique way. And, and so we want to be a part of that. Yeah, that's cool to hear. So last question before we go to the high pass segment is with, you know, over 400,000 newsletter subscribers, a successful podcast along with that. What are you excited about next? You talked about the the maybe long form mm. podcast. What other things are you excited about? Yeah, I would say broadly, and I'll be interested to listen back to this in a year and see if this is what we do at all. But what I'm excited about right now, and a lot of what we talked about this weekend with staff was saying, how do we shift to saying, like right now we are a like a news summary company and how do we shift to saying we want to be a we help people have a spiritually healthy relationship with the news company hmm. you know providing news that we think 
keeps the focus where the focus should be is a huge part of that. But even people that listen to the podcast and, and read the newsletter, they also consume news from other sources. They hear about news throughout the day. They do whatever. And it's like, how can we help shape and create principles and help train people to just have a spiritually healthy relationship with the news in their life, period? And so some of that we think is a long form podcast. And maybe it's like people calling in to talk about the news or talk about tough discussions with the news or tough family things that come out of the news or whatever. There's a whole bunch of different things. But that's what I'm excited about is like figuring out how to really help go the next step and help shape people's heart of saying like, I love Jesus first. And this is how to engage with the news in a Christ-like way that reflects that hope and peace in a category that is known for anxiety and fear and depression mm -hmm. and anger. And it's like, how do we change that? Where you consume the news and you overflow with the fruit of the spirit. You know, there's just this love and kindness and peace and joy and gentleness that comes out. When I think you and I and everyone would agree, not the goal of major cable networks and basically any news source is to produce those things. Yeah, I'm excited to, to hear what develops with that. So that brings us to the high pass segment, which is a little bit of an audio pun here, where we ignore the lows and talk about some of your favorite things. So the first of which is the podcast is called The Pour Over. So I thought I'd ask, yeah. uh, what is your favorite cup of coffee? You know, I am a remarkably unsnobby coffee drinker for having founded a coffee-named <laughs> company. Um, right now, I'm drinking Kirkland Costco generic mm. brand coffee beans that is drip coffee, not even a pour-over. I do, the one mildly snobby thing is I do grind my own beans. So I, I ground these generic beans this morning and <laughs> then put it in a Mr. Coffee machine and I'm drinking it now. So pretty easy to please when it comes to coffee. Nice. So just a tangent on that, the pour over name, I think I heard in another podcast that it was called something else originally, and then you changed it to the pour over. Mm. What's the brief story behind that? Yeah, the brief story is honestly, part of what was preventing me from sending the first email was that I didn't know what it was named. Okay. And it's like, this is dumb. This is not what it's about. <laughs> And so there was some morning brew inspiration. The first email actually says unnamed up top. And then there was some morning brew inspiration of like, yeah, I mean, hey, Christians like coffee. You read it in the morning. Mm -hmm. I like coffee. Let's just do it. And my best friend's dad, we had just gone on a fishing trip and he doesn't consume caffeine except when he's on a fishing trip because you get up early and he's like, you know, it's always, it's always okay to have a little HBC, hot black coffee when you're fishing. And I was like, HBC, there we go. We're just going to name it Hot Black Coffee. And, and that stuck for about like, I don't know, eight months or something. And I liked HBC. I liked being able to abbreviate it. Yeah. I didn't really like Hot Black Coffee. And at some point as it grew, someone else on the team was like, I hate this. We got to <laughs> we gotta change it. And so the pour over still on the coffee theme maybe gives yeah. the thought of a little bit more like thoughtful. Thoughtful, um, sure, yeah. Yeah, that's the story. It's remarkably unthoughtful of how the company was named. <laughs> so what was one of your what's been one of your favorite stories from a listener about how the pour over has impacted their life? Yeah. One definitely stands out. We got an email from someone saying that their dad texted their like whole family and just said, Hey, I'm sorry. He like quoted one of the Christian perspectives that we have mm. of like this may be a big deal on earth, but it's not God of the universe mm -hmm. big. And yeah. this dad was just saying, he's like, 
I made small things a big deal to the detriment of the family and have broken apart this family because I was obsessed with politics and, and other stuff. And that is just really like when I say that's what I hope the next iteration of the pour over is, mm. is fostering more things like that of just being like, there's just this aha moment of, oh man, my priorities in life are wrong. And news is so easily something that we obsess about and place our hope in and drives fear and anxiety. And so just a really cool thing. And that was early on. And so to just be like, wow, this is actually like helping someone. Mm. Like this might've like played a small role in healing a family yeah. or, or God used this to like, to do this is just really, really encouraging, cool thing. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. What's one of your favorite ministry podcasts that you listen to or a ministry that you know of that you really like that doesn't have a podcast that you wish did have one? Mm. So we have not partnered with this group, but I wish that we could. And I wish that we could like pay money and be sponsored or something, but they don't do that and just faithfully create what they create. And it's uh, the Bible Project. Just love what they do, Tim yeah. Mackey. And so love their videos that go through things yeah. and also their podcast. It's just a great, it's really well done. And it's amazing to me how it feels so much like what sermons should be, but aren't. Like mm. there's just something, it like feels a little bit more like, oh, I'm like in a classroom learning, you know? Yeah. And there's yeah. just this kind of more academic bend towards it. But it's like, man, this really should be more of what more churches do, which is just explain and help people understand the Bible more as opposed to, I don't know, and like, we, we love our church and I listen to a bunch of sermons mm -hmm. as well, but like something about it, he just does a great job. And so I love that podcast and I'm so grateful for them. Yeah, they're great. As this publishes, a previous episode will be with John Collins and Dan Gummel over at Bible Project. So that'll be, wow. I haven't had that conversation yet in the timeline of recording, but the episode will publish uh, the week prior. So yeah, that's great to hear. Really enjoy their stuff wow. too. So as we close, what's your best advice that you would have for a ministry or an organization out there that has a newsletter thinking about maybe we should have a podcast? What would your best advice be for them? This is what I wish we had done more and are doing now is like, think through the difference in the medium and and lean into that. And like, I think our podcast is just an audio version of the newsletter, but like we were saying, it can be so much more relational. Mm -hmm. And and so figuring out like, how do we communicate the same content, but leverage that medium more? And what I really like about it, especially for smaller ministries, I mean, we're unique in that our potential audience size is so big and it's, yeah. it's a volume play for us. Like mm -hmm. we're, we're just trying to grow as big as possible. Whereas if you're in a niche or if you're a pastor or you're, you have a smaller audience that you're trying to go deeper with, podcasting can just be so great there. And like our local church, the guy who runs the college ministry for it, because we're at the University of Iowa and so lots of college kids, he does a podcast where he interviews different people in the college program. And I was talking with him about it. And he's like, yeah, it gets like 400 downloads. And I was sitting there, I was like, oh man, how do you grow it? How do you, whatever? He's like, oh no, like 400 is, he's like, I'm supposed to be discipling people. And in one hour I can reach 400 people. And it's like, yeah, that is, yeah. that is amazing. You know, and no, you don't need to reach 
4,000. Like you have this pool of people that you're trying to reach. And this is just such a great way to go deeper. So if you have a newsletter, I would actually encourage, don't just do what we did, which is turn the newsletter into an audio thing, but figure out how to communicate the same content in a fresh way that leverages the medium well and can be more relational and build those deeper connections. Nice. That's great advice. Well, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time and your your insight. So thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for what you're doing. Just so cool to get to talk with you and be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I really enjoyed my conversation with Jason, and I hope you did as well. Now, I was a little surprised by his advice there at the end about not just making an audio version of a newsletter like they've done. I really enjoyed the format that they do, but he's right. They could be utilizing the medium of podcasting better with a different approach. And that's why I'm really excited to hear more about the long-form podcast that he was talking about. I think it would be great to hear some in-depth episodes about relevant topics with a Christian perspective. Now, you can listen to the pour over today or subscribe to the newsletter with the link in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Ministries That Podcast, produced by Sonomorphic. If you enjoyed today's episode, text it to a friend or share it on social media. Together, we can help more ministries grow and thrive through podcasting. And if you haven't already, follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next one. And leave a five-star review while you're at it with your key takeaway from today's episode. I'd love to hear it. Now come back in two weeks for a How They Could podcast episode. I'll be talking about The Beat by Alan Parr. It's an online video ministry dedicated to communicating God's Word in a creative, practical, and easy-to-watch format. His YouTube channel has over 1 million subscribers, but they don't have a podcast. So I'll be unpacking my podcast strategy for Alan and why I think it would be a huge value for the work he's doing with The Beat to, quote, provide a forum for people to discuss various theological concepts and ideas, unquote. So tune back in in two weeks for that. Until then, keep encouraging your audience as they follow Jesus. Jesus.